thank you for being a part of our church service today. It is our desire at Riverstone Church that God's Word will work in you to produce an abundant field life. To know more about the ministry or to support, visit riverstonechurch.net. May the Lord bless you today as you listen to this message. Acts chapter 13, starting at verse 44. The next Sabbath, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things spoken by Paul and were blaspheming. Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first, since you repudiate it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles, for so the Lord has commanded us. I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout the whole region, but the Jews incited the devout women of prominence and the leading men of the city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. They shook off the dust of their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for the word of the Lord, which is powerful and sharp, Lord Jesus. God, I thank you for so many testimonies of your grace at work, your grace through salvation, your grace through healing, your grace through ministering in interpersonal relationships, your grace in starting new works, your grace in encouraging us, Lord, in what you have called us to do. God, I thank you so much uh, for your mercy that is uh, present in our life, Lord, for your grace that is sufficient for every need, and for your Holy Spirit that compels us, O oh Lord Jesus. So God, I thank you for these moments, and I pray, God, over the next few minutes that you give us grace to hear what the Spirit would speak to us. And Lord, that uh, you would help me to speak uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that what you would intend to communicate would be communicated, Lord, and I would do nothing to take away from the word of the Lord this morning. And so I thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So what we'll do is set the stage for kind of where, where we are in the text uh, this morning. And in, we've been working through Acts chapter 13. We're following kind of the missionary journey of uh, the Apostle Paul. So we have the early church that was mainly in uh, Jerusalem. Uh, persecution happened in Jerusalem, and so the early church then moves uh, up to uh, Antioch, which is uh, in the area of Syria. There the church begins to take root and grow. And as the church is moving, the church is sending people out. So Paul and Barnabas now are being sent out from the local church. And what we see from, from really here on is that sending function of the local church continually through uh, the book of Acts. Now, again, what Luke is writing, Luke uh, is writing the book of Acts. Uh, he's written the gospel of Luke, and this is kind of the second 
portion of that in the book of Acts. What he's writing for us is essentially the story of Jesus and the story of uh, the early church. And he's hitting for us the things that he sees as important under the influence of the Holy Spirit, uh, what he sees as important to be communicated both to us, but also to everyone throughout history who is in the Christian faith who would be reading these uh, particular texts. And so he's kind of hitting the highlights. And so it's easy for us to kind of get caught up and think the early church was like, boom, power, power, might, you know, all these mighty things that are happening. But what we see really is this is about 14 years since the apostle Paul was converted, about 17, 18 years or so from the time of the day of Pentecost. So you're actually pulling along a long time frame of history where we find ourselves reading kind of the highlights within those moments. Just like you and I, if we were going to tell kind of the story of our life or what was going on in our life, we'd sort of hit the high points. And that's exactly what is happening here under the direction and the influence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit using Luke's personality, Luke's gifting to communicate God's word to us. And it made me think about how God does communicate. That in his sovereign grace, he has chosen to communicate to us his word and his message through people. When Moses received the commandments of the Lord upon the mountain, God didn't speak directly to all the people. He spoke through Moses then to go to the people. God used humans to communicate his message to people. Jesus came in the flesh to communicate God's message of love to us. And even the Holy Spirit communicates in ways that we can understand through moving by his spirit to illuminate the word of God. When we read God's word, when we seek to understand God's word, we ought to expect that the Holy Spirit is working within us through the word to apply it to our life through preaching. The spirit moves through the power of testimony the Holy Spirit moves even through the gifts of the Spirit, through the times of tongues and interpretation. The, the Spirit moves through people. And God is communicating to us the things that we need to know. And that is exactly what's happening here. And so we have to pay attention to how these things are communicated. And just kind of, you know, roll through the story and just get the overall understanding, we actually have to pay attention to what and how the Word of God is written and spoken. And that's why we're taking our time to walk through the book of Acts. Some of you may be wishing, I wish you'd move on to something else, but there's a reason we're walking slowly, line upon line, precept upon precept. I think some of the things that we see Luke recording and that we pick up and we can observe from what he records about the early church and when we think about the church and see that healthy churches are sending churches. So healthy churches aren't just kind of internally 
focused churches, but healthy churches are actually sending people out of those churches. We ought to think of, of Riverstone as being a place to be sent out of in order to go and to share the message of the gospel. We really ought to see people who are in certain career fields even giving up those careers in order to be sent out as a messenger of the gospel. And I would ask the question, if, if God through his church spoke to you and asked you to go, would you? Because I believe that if Riverstone is to be a New Testament church, we have to pray that God would raise people up and that we would have people like Paul and Barnabas who we pray for and the Holy Spirit says, send them out. Send them out. The, 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 the beauty of a fellowship like this is that we love one another. We like coming to church and we like being around this group of people because you're enjoyable to be around. It's good to fellowship with you. It's good to hear testimonies of one another. It's good to know one another and all of our kind of little quirks that we can kind of laugh at and we know about one another. But when we begin to send people out, we get a little homesick. I want that person to be here. I want that person to be here every Sunday. But that's really the purpose of what we're doing today is to be encouraged, to be blessed, to be engaged by the word of the Lord, to worship Jesus together as a community of faith in the beauty of holiness. But we're also praying and also asking the Lord to reach a community around us and a world around us in which God needs to call some of us to go out. That may be out locally. It may be out internationally. But if we're a healthy church and we're functioning in the operation and the gifts of the Spirit, we ought to begin to see people raised up. People raised up and that we can bless and pray for and send out. Paul and Barnabas Again, sent out by the Holy Spirit through the affirmation of the local church. They have started this missionary journey of being sent out from uh, Antioch over, sailing over to Cyprus, then sailing up into what is today modern Turkey. And our text this morning finds us at the city of Pisidian Antioch, another Antioch, different city from where they started uh, in another place. Last week, Paul had preached the gospel and many of the people had received what Paul was preaching. And what we read in our text this morning is that response to the preaching of the word. So what we read about last week was the actually the preaching of the gospel. And what we read today is the response to that preaching of the gospel. And what I, some points that I think we can pull out of our text this morning, again, among many things, are some of the signs that God is at work. Some of the signs that God is at work. I think the first of those is that there is the faithful uh, preaching, teaching of the word. The next Sabbath, in verse 44, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of the Lord. Paul had just 
preached faithfully the gospel message, and we see God moving in response to that faithful preaching of the message, that there were others who were coming to hear what thus saith the Lord. The whole city, it says, nearly the whole city gathered together because what Paul was preaching was a gospel of hope. There certainly were preachers before Paul, but their message was to keep certain points of the law or something along those lines. And we know that no one can fully keep the law. And in that, there is no hope. The only hope that we have is what the apostle Paul preached, and that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Freedom from sin and freedom from the law. The faithful preaching of the word exalts the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Preaching is not simply someone standing behind a desk and yelling. It's not simply someone standing behind a desk and getting excited and mouthing off a few things that we can all kind of nod our head and affirm and agree to. Preaching must have as its focused core the exaltation of Jesus Christ. Only if Jesus is lifted up will he draw all men unto him. We see again in the beginning of chapter 13 that the Apostle Paul was faithfully preaching the word of God that there is hope only in the Lord Jesus Christ, freedom from sin, freedom from the law. We also find a sign that God is at work, and this one is a unique one that maybe you don't think about as often or I don't think about as often, but a sign that God is at work is that there is opposition. There is opposition. Any true move of God will always be opposed because we are in a spiritual battle. Which is why we must begin and sustain with prayer. We have to be a people who are committed to the act of prayer. Seeking the Lord. Hearing from God waiting upon him, knowing that his promises are good and precious and walking out through those promises. In verses 45 through 47, it says, when the Jews saw the crowds, they became jealous. Over and over in the book of Acts, what we see is people who see what the apostles are doing and they become jealous of that. And instead of joining in with that work. They want to pull people away from that work. They get jealous over it. Now, mind you, these weren't the jealous pagans that were out there. People who had no relationship to the one God, people who were just kind of off on the side, who were just sort of watching in. They became jealous about these crowds working. These were people to whom Paul and Barnabas were preaching to that became jealous. They began contradicting the gospel, the scripture said. They began blaspheming. Verse 50 says they incited others. They incited the devout women and the leading men. They went to the people who have followers behind them. They went to the people of influence. Those who were jealous of the work of the Lord and the work that God was doing, they were going specifically to certain people in order to undermine what God was doing by his spirit. Often at times a sign that God is at work is that there is 
opposition. Those who were opposed instigated persecution against those who were seeking to share and to preach the gospel and the message of hope in the Lord. The opposition here was sinful, it was personal, and ultimately it was violent. Sinful, personal, and violent. We always wonder, and even James addresses this in James chapter 1, we wonder why do we have to go through the fire? Why as a believer do I go through rough and difficult times? And James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. That's what we heard about this morning, God's grace at work in various kinds of trials. For you know that when you go through these various kinds of trials, that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. When you are walking through times of trial, when the church is walking through times of trial, it presses us to push into the Lord, knowing that our faith is being tested, knowing that that work of our, the test of our faith is producing steadfastness in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if I have overcome this particular trial, when I face the next particular trial, I know God has been faithful there and God will be faithful here as well. So as you go along your journey in the Lord, do not think it odd that some of the trials that you face get a little more difficult and a little more heavier and a little more challenging because you've already walked through what seems like the easy stuff and now you're facing some more difficult stuff, but it's working in you. It is producing in you steadfastness and faithfulness and bringing to you a complete work in the Lord Jesus Christ that you would lack nothing before him. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various kinds of trials. The, the, the prosperity gospel has brought to us this notion that we can kind of, kind of stomp our foot and kind of wave away the problems of life. But Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So uh, Jesus has overcome the world. We're not laboring for a perfect existence here. We're trusting in the perfect existence that comes over there. What God is working within us in these moments where you're facing a trial in your workplace, in your family, in your health, or whatever place it may be, what God is working out within you is an understanding that his presence is with you through every trial and through every storm of life. Thank you, Lord. I've shared this with you before. Jesus said, I go away to the Father, and if I go away, I will pray that the Father will send you another comforter. That idea of the Holy Spirit being with you and me. And the power of the Holy Spirit that came on the day of Pentecost, yes, was to thrust the church out into the highways and byways to share the message of hope, but it was also to be that comforting presence with you and me that we would not be alone. 
There are times pastorally when I sit with someone and I don't have words to speak. I don't know what to say to help them through that particular moment of time. I process in my mind thinking, God, what should I say? And what I've come to understand often is the ministry of presence. Being willing to just be a presence with someone through their journey. That is the work of the Holy Spirit to you and to me. This is why we can sing songs that say, I am not alone. Because God has promised the precious presence of his Holy Spirit through all of our trials and difficulties. And it's not simply that he is present with us. Hear me this morning. It's not simply that he is present. It is that he is working in you through the trial to produce within you something that is more precious than gold. God is actually moving in those moments of deep sorrow and pain. He is working within you to produce steadfastness and ultimate perfection in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the way that we can count it all joy. If we are a believer in the Lord, every trial is producing steadfastness in Christ. No problem, no issue, no concern that may come your way or my way that the Lord is not at work. Now the practicality of that is this is why God has placed you within a body of believers. I don't like the understanding. It, it kind of baffles my mind when someone thinks I will work and serve in the kingdom community, but I don't have to be in the local church. I can be out here doing all this great work for Jesus, but I don't have to actually be in a fellowship with real people where the rubber meets the road. The local church is, is not it's a kingdom thing, and I'm not going to engage in the local thing. Well, what happened this morning is however many of those who testified today of God's presence, you got to know. You got to gain an understanding of a bit of someone's story. And I would venture to say this morning that somebody was encouraged, I would hope. Someone walks away and says, that's a bigger trial than what I've ever had to walk through. And that brother or that sister can stand and testify of God's faithfulness. I can work through what I'm having to go through right now. Amen. Or someone else might say, I'm going through that exact same thing. And look at that faithful sister. She's standing. I'm going to stand too. We can't see church as what most of us have experienced church of coming in on Sunday and leaving and not that we don't. I think for most believers, we actually think about the gospel. We actually process what it's like in our workplace. We feel that. We, we want to be people who are uh, uh, sharing the gospel and sharing a message of hope. But do we also think about the necessity of togetherness? I can go to work and I can think about Jesus and I can talk about Jesus to other people, but at some point there has to be a body of people that I can sort of open up a little bit of what I've gone through and be in fellowship because when I'm walking through the trial of life, I need someone to kind of lock arms and say, hey, Robert, 
you are going off on an area where you don't need to be. I need someone to know me well enough that would say to me, Robert, you're stepping out of line. Do you have that person in your life? Do you have that relationship with people in this room? Are you willing to have that relationship with people in this room? Building fellowship with one another that we can walk through those trials of life together. You see, in conflict, which is inevitable in any situation, in any circumstance, God works through that for his glory. In fact, in this particular conflict, it pushed the gospel out even farther. Paul and Barnabas, while they were kind of kicked out of the city, they took their shoes off, shook the dust off, and they went to the next place preaching the gospel, and the people were in joy, had joy about what God is doing. See, because sometimes conflict can be a good thing because it shakes us of our lethargy. It makes us think about the things that are important. There's an illustration from a preacher, uh, Alistair Begg, that I think is just beautiful about the thief on the cross. And it's a, it's a, it's a video that I would encourage you to, to, to Google and watch because he'll do it much better uh, than I will share it with you today. But Alistair Begg shares the thief on the cross when he gets to heaven and someone asks him, how did you get here? And the guy says, I don't know. And he says, well, do you understand the doctrine of justification by faith? And the guy says, I never heard of it. Have you been baptized in water? I don't know what that is. And on and on it goes. Until the point comes and he's asked once again, how did you get here? And he says, because the guy on the middle cross said I could come. All of our conflict, all of our challenge, all of our difficulty, everything that we want to kind of fuss about, when we boil it all down. Almost none of that matters except that we focus on the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So many things get conflictual, but we have to focus our attention on what is right. Yes, those doctrines are ones that we ought to be willing to even give our life for some of them. But we also have to realize some of the conflict that exists is for Nothing except just fussing are we going to be about the work of the kingdom. Last point, I'll work through it quickly. Signs of a move of God is that there is prophetic fulfillment. In Acts 13, verse 47, it says, uh, Paul uh, speaking here, for so the Lord has commanded us. And the next part of this verse is out of Isaiah 42, 6 and 49. 
6, it says, I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. So a prophetic word that was spoken all the way back in Isaiah, uh, the same uh, book that Brother Jay referenced this morning in uh, in communion. There is prophetic fulfillment when we see when we see God's hand at work, we see prophetic fulfillment happening. Paul and Barnabas were a central feature of the plan that God used to bring the gospel to the nations. It was fulfilling what was spoken long ago uh, through the prophet Isaiah. And this is the essence or the notion of the gospel is that God fulfills his promises. That's why it's good news. Because God fulfills his promises. And when we see God at work, what we see is a church that is gaining new territory for the gospel. The gospel is being preached in new areas. The gospel is in doing its intended work. I can't imagine that there would be anyone here this morning let me rephrase this. I do imagine that there is someone here this morning that God is speaking to you that he desires to send you. Maybe that's in a bolder witness at your workplace. Maybe that's a bolder witness in uh, our community. Maybe it's a bolder witness beyond here in another place, in another culture where you will go and you will share the message of hope. But as a church, we have to expect that that is going to happen, that God is going to send some of us out in order to accomplish a work for him. So as we stand and as we pray, I'd like us to pray and to ask the Lord, God, where are you sending me? Maybe you are to be a prayer warrior in this local community. Not everybody in the early church left their location. There were some that did, but not everybody did. There were some who stayed behind and prayed. There were some who gave. There were some who encouraged. There were some who equipped. But I would ask each one of us this morning, God, are you sending me? God, are you sending me? And if God speaks that he's sending you, are you willing to go? Are you willing to go? Are you willing to prayer walk, UVA? Brother Chris called me and said, hey, let's go do this. I said, okay, we'll go. We prayer walked UVA this week. Not as a testimony to either one of us, but just as a move of God's spirit, praying for people. So many students on a campus, most of whom did not have a gospel witness. Imagine if there's revival on UVA's campus. Imagine if there are people who in our very own city are from seemingly every nation, tribe, and tongue who come to understand and know the gospel. Maybe if you have an hour on a Friday afternoon or a Monday morning or a Wednesday midday, you simply drive and park in the parking garage and you begin walking to campus seeing faces and praying for those people that you see on campus. Maybe you join with us and you're 
opportunity of sending is walking the streets of Crozet. Maybe you live in that area. You know we're praying about that area. God, will you call us to plant a church? I don't know that the, that the call is definitive just yet, but what I want to know is, God, what's your plan? Can we walk and can we pray or the streets of your neighborhood? Maybe you take some of the gospel of John's there that have on the back of them a means to share the gospel. And as you begin to walk through the downtown mall or maybe up in Standardsville or over in Gordonsville or someplace like that, you meet someone and you begin to share the gospel as it's right there for you. Maybe you put a couple in your pocket and this week you say, God, help me to share these with someone who needs to know. I'm not trying to guilt trip you or make you feel like, you know, I'm not doing enough. What I'm trying to say is there are tools to be sent. There are tools that you can use as you are sent by the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your presence and grace and mercy in our lives. And I believe, Lord, in this moment that you are speaking to people. You're speaking to people about their calling. You're speaking to people about where they need to go, where their next effort is, where their engagement with the gospel may be. Lord, I pray that no one would ever feel like or, or sense that I have to get someone's approval to go and witness for Jesus. But they would sense the power of the Holy Spirit at work and move and share the message of hope. What we see was that when people heard the gospel who hadn't heard before, the Gentiles were excited. They rejoiced in what God had done. Help us, Lord. We thank you, God, for your grace today. And we thank you, O oh Lord, for your mercy upon us. We ask you to guide us. Lord, I pray that you would affirm your calling, your work among your people today. Maybe if you're here this morning and you say, God is doing that work in my life. If you want to speak with Sister Autumn or Brother Jay or Brother Noel, or Brother Chris. Maybe someone who's kind of connected in some sort of leading way in the church so that you can be equipped, you can have the resources. Maybe you've, you've kind of had a long history in the church. You know the scriptures, you study the scriptures, but you're saying, God, it's time. It's time and you're ready to step out. We want to provide you with the resources to step out for God's glory. Help us, Lord, to be faithful towards that end. And so, God, we ask you that you would just continue to do your work, continue to guide us, continue to lead us, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that there would be some who would be stirred, Lord, who would say, now is the time. Now is the time. We thank you for it, God. Thank you for your mercy and grace. Thank you for your love and kindness today, Lord Jesus. 
We exalt you in unity and in one accord. In your precious and holy name, we pray. Amen. Thank you for being a part of Riverstone Church. I hope today's message encouraged you to take a step closer to Christ. If there is anything we can pray for or talk with you about, please visit our website at riverstonechurch.net. May the Lord bless you this week and may you walk in all of his promises and plans for your life.